Welcome to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, what an absolute unbelievable treat we have today. The journeyman coach himself, Keegan Dillon. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I am just such a massive fan of yours and what you've been able to do, what you've overcome, right? And all that is just not only admirable, but like inspiring for me to be able to watch your journey. And speaking of journey, I know you've talked about this a lot, Joseph Campbell, which if most people don't know who Joseph Campbell is, think Star Wars, Indiana Jones. He really developed the hero's journey, right? And along the way, there's one particular character outside the main character that's important is the guide or the coach. And I think that's where you come in a lot because you've dealt so much with different endurance athletes, CrossFit athletes, I mean, across the spectrum. How do you help an athlete at any point really define not only their identity, because that's a very personal thing, but help them to understand the difference between passion and interest? That's interesting. Like first and foremost, I think everybody's a person and a human being. You've probably deep dived through my Instagram a little bit. And I kind of talk about that a lot. And I think each person should be treated as such. And I think as a coach, um, and I don't know, this might be a roundabout answer, and they'll probably all be that way. But like viewing them as a human first and removing the sport or the accolade that they're trying to do, I think helps you have the conversation with an athlete, client, whatever you want to call it, as to like what they actually want to do and what they want to get to. Like if I hear somebody come in and they're like, I want to lose weight, like there's so many meanings that could have behind it. Like, or I want to have abs. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And then explaining or trying to walk them down the road of like, you know, abs are great or a PR squat is great or, you know, a hard effort on a machine is awesome. But like, what is the journey to get to that as opposed to like just going from I want this and I got it? Because those are the two, I think as Americans, we kind of go like, I want it and I want it now. And we don't appreciate like the journey that it takes to get to that point. So I think you can kind of see passion in people by the way they talk about things, carry themselves while they're doing it, their level of interest in it. And I find, and this is just, I think from experience being around people that, you know, when you see passion dwindle quickly, A, it's probably not passion. It's probably some sort of, I saw this Instagram post of this person do this thing, or this new training methodology came out, uh, not new methodology, but new program, um, you know, take hard work pays off, for example, like everybody, you know, jumped on that. And I'm not saying anything good or bad about it. It's just, we have this very like reactionary type way of, latching onto some new style of fitness. And the way I like to approach it is turning it into more of a practice of like, this is a long-term thing. If you want like an eight weeks to a better something, there's a million templates out there, go find it. Um, that's not necessarily what I do. And I think we have this like need or immediacy for results. And I think that's to a degree. Okay. But the results we chase I'm going to argue are the wrong ones. Like I don't necessarily think a 405 pound bench press is any more impressive than, um, you know, somebody that just started doing a bench press with an empty bar or, 
at this point, like squatting and deadlifting, I'm almost completely over. I don't do them for myself. I program them for people when they're indicative of their sport, their goals or the things they want to get to. But like talking about people that are just your everyday, I want to stay fit. I want to stay healthy. Even your, you know, post-service veteran or something like that, who's trying to figure out where they want to go. I think there's better ways to slowly introduce exercise into people's lives without it being this like, I want to start now so I can go compete in this thing later. Getting people to understand the journey and buy into their own habit development, right? But at the end of the day, right, the journey is a series of habits as you continue to do over and over again as you work towards an end state, whether that end state is what you actually want when you start off or it could deviate to something else that you discover along the way. How do you really work with individuals, like you said, at all levels, elite athletes to, you know, service members just coming off and looking for some sort of fitness routine outside of their time in the service? How do you approach that? I mean, it's very individualized. I get that. But there's got to be like some sort of understanding that you have across the board with your athletes. I think a lot of it goes back to, again, like treating them like people in removing the, the end goal and having the conversations that hopefully like invoke some sort of thought on their end as to like, what did I mean by that? Or what do I mean by this? Or what do I really want? And then I do like to explain in whatever way it organically happens in a conversation, kind of like my thoughts on fitness, which would be, and this has changed drastically in the last like 10 or 12 years, right? Like there's been continual evolutions. Like if you talked to me six years ago, I would have been like powerlifting is the greatest thing ever. Everybody should powerlift. If you talked to me three years ago, I would have talked to you about bike ergs and assault bikes and going long. So getting to the point of understanding like that, you know, fitness and health is like an internal process to a degree. Like if you feel healthy physiologically, psychologically, I think you're heading down the right path. If all, if some of those things are out of alignment, then I'd argue like from a fitness standpoint or health standpoint, like there's things that need to be adjusted. And again, it goes back to that, you know, making it a practice of like, how do I progress over the next 10 years as opposed to the next 10 weeks? And that a lot of times means backing off for people, which is sometimes difficult to do, especially service members, active ones specifically, um, but even people post-service because they're like trying to latch on to the identity of sorts of like still being a service member. I think specifically if you get into like infantry and above that sort of thing where it's a more, you know, physically demanding job than just like, I hate to say a desk job, but there are a lot of those in the military, not knocking them, just saying like it, you know, it, it exists. And I think the mindset of those two different sort of service members is a bit different. And just understanding that like slowing down, understanding that we're trying to like have a slow gradual build for a long time while it's a difficult conversation, I think when people start to like feel it and understand it, that's when they're like, oh, there's something here. Like, yeah, I want to squat, but I probably need to learn how to first, regardless of how many times I've done it before. You know, a lot of people just to keep using the squat as an example, like they'll unrack the bar, they go down, they come up and you're like, what did you do? And they're like, I went down and I came up and you're like, what happened in between going down and coming up? And you're like, I don't know. I just went down and went up. And you're like, okay, like if you, if you don't understand like what your body's doing, moving through space, maybe not at your initial weights, you're going to get injured. But I feel like over time, you're like, you're slowly making these tiny imbalances, compensations, whatever you want to call them that ultimately lead to the, I've never been hurt. I've never been hurt. Oh my God, I'm hurt all the time. 
and people like can't wrap their heads around like what's happening because they'll like move a certain way and you'll try to adjust it. And they're like, I've always done it this way. I'm fine. And you're like, uh, and like sometimes like a couple weeks later, a couple months later, a couple years later, depending on age, training age, volume, intensity, all that equation that is impossible to figure out. Like all of a sudden something in their back goes and then it's a perpetual back injury months for weeks for years. Um, I'm going through that now. Like I went to do a kettlebell windmill last week. And as you can tell, what I say and what I practice aren't always the same thing. And like, I just tweaked my QL and all weekend it's been tight and like getting up and sitting down has been difficult. And I'm just fucking over it, to be honest. I'm like, I don't, this isn't health. Like, yeah, I can go mash on an assault bike for an hour and do something that looks impressive to other people. But if I can't bend over to pick up a pen without like the risk of hurting myself, like how fit am I? How, how strong structurally is that as a human being? And that's like the area now I'm kind of exploring is like getting back to like a baseline of health where I can jump out of bed in the morning and not worry about like, am I going to pull my hamstring or is my back going to go out? Or if somebody's like, let's go for a run today. I don't have to be like, ah, man, I haven't ran in a while. I'm a big dude. Like I'll walk you run. Like I just, I don't care the intensity I do it at right now. I just want to be able to say yes to more things than I say no to specifically because my body can handle it as opposed to being afraid of what's going to happen if my body can't. And do you think understanding, I know over time it has changed that base level of health is really what you take away from your time in the military and understanding that, like you said, people are people and they're going to do different things and be where they are and you have to meet them where they're at in order to help them grow. Yeah. I mean, you've been 20 before, so have I, right? Where you feel like you're invincible and arguably to a degree, at least compared to how I feel now, you are. Like you have, I think you have a lot more leeway for injuries. You heal quicker. You probably haven't done enough damage to your body yet to have like recurring long term, like overuse injuries or things like that. So I do think age wise, training age wise, like all that plays a role based on like, again, back to the individual thing, like how to dampen or not intensity, load, volume. And a lot of that still goes back to like how do people move? Like if I was coaching me, and I was back in my 20s and I was like, I want to squat all the time. And then I saw my squat. I would be like, maybe we shouldn't squat yet. But, I, I, you know, I didn't know that back then. I know that now. Hindsight's twenty twenty, And like just the lessons I've learned with, you know, to a degree how broken I am in a sense um, and learning to correct that is something I can hope. I hope to carry over into my athletes in the future. And a lot of those things, I think, revolve around conversations of like, okay, cool. Like, I know you want to do all of it right now, but like, what is the immediacy? What's the urge? Like, we can only fit so much into a day, so much into a week, so much into a month. And another thing, like generally in your 20s, military maybe is an exception. Like, you don't always have a family or a wife or a husband or kids. You know, if you're a private or you're an entry-level position in a regular job, your stress is a lot lower because you have a lot less responsibility. So there's a lot more room uh, and wiggle room in there, I think, to add stress, which would be training to somebody's day where you know you get into your 30s, you have kids, you have a wife or a husband, a family, you know, a mortgage, car payments, like all these other things on top of all the things you already had that you know we call responsibilities that you know take up space in your day, in you know, your psyche. It adds to that quote unquote cup, which nobody knows how big each individual's cup is again, air quotes, but like, you know, stress goes into that. And at some point 
if you don't manage it or pay attention to it, stress overflows. And I think we miss at times that exercise is stress. Like your body doesn't know it's going to the gym to do a CrossFit workout or getting on a trail to go for a run. It just has the perceived level of stress that's happening because of it. And if you have a day that's just like this nonstop, like if you're a lawyer, doctor, uh, firefighter on shift, you know, if you're JRTC or something like that, and you're like work schedules thrown off, or it's just this constant repetitive go, 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 your training probably should look like the opposite of that, in my opinion. Conversely, like if you're an accountant and you're sitting at a desk all day, like maybe there's room, assuming you move well enough and have the, you know, structural capabilities to do it. Maybe there's room in there for like your exercise needs to be the opposite of that. So maybe it's more high intensive, more heavier weights, again, individualized to a degree, person dependent. But, you know, I think it's when we start to do like life is high intensity and then gym's high intensity. That's when we fall into this sort of overtraining, overuse, burnout, etc. Do you think it's the questions that you ask or the pauses you take in between questions that are more impactful on helping the athlete to understand what they actually want at the end of the day? That's a good question. Uh, do you watch the show Hot Ones at all? Yes. Do you ad- admire the way he uh, asks and research and answers questions? Because I know the people he has on like fucking love the way he asks questions. And I feel like you're trying to do the same thing <laughs> and you're doing it pretty well. Thank you, brother. I don't put a lot of thought to that, to be honest. I kind of talk the way I talk and kind of read the room the way I read the room. And uh, one thing I learned when I was at nonprofit with Mark Twight and Michael Blevins was kind of, you have to be a chameleon of sorts, like arguably mildly sociopathic in the sense of like, you said it earlier, like meeting your clients where they're at. And if I can't have a dialogue with somebody because they converse differently than I do, then A, maybe it's not a good fit or B, I want to figure out a better way to have that conversation with those people. So I think depending on the question and depending on the pause might differentiate between how each person responds to that. And I think you can see it in the military when you talk to people that are new to service, especially if you're talking about war or going to war and like you start to drop what we'll call knowledge bombs and you can kind of like start to see the wheels turning where like, it's not like you told them something concrete that they all of a sudden went like, aha, but like the aha was like, they started to realize there's a different way to ask that question, or there was a better question to ask. Like I kind of saw it today. I had a 9am class, we went over uh, some cars, which are controlled articulated rotations, which is something I just got into. So I'm on my high horse about them at the moment, because I've done them. I felt how good they made me feel. I'm going to take a course in November to actually like understand how to do them to their entirety and like ways to, you know, manipulate them to help people with joint health and things like that. But like you saw people do it and then they stood up because we did ones for the shoulders. They put their arms overhead and their mobility was probably half an inch more or at least like the ease of getting their shoulder overhead was better. And you could kind of just see that like, oh, this is different. And now like, I just hope they go think about that at some point. And there's like a, oh, like my shoulder doesn't feel as bad or whatever. We didn't do anything overhead with a weight. We didn't touch a dumbbell or do anything for that specific shoulder. Like we did some assault bike conditioning today, but it was just like an introduction into doing these things correctly and using them intentfully and intentionally for the idea of creating a better, healthier joint. And like you could tell at first, they were kind of like, what is this weird arm circle shit we're doing laying on the ground? And then again, they stood up. And they all like, I didn't say anything. They just kind of all started putting their arms overhead 
and like testing their range of motion. And I never really asked. You could just kind of see it in their faces that they were like, oh, that was useful. I, I could talk all day and be like, this is helpful. This is useful. That worked. But if people don't feel it and experience it, then my words, I think, are meaningless to a degree. Because um, I think, especially as humans, like especially when it comes to exercise, because we have these predetermined ideas of like, I'm going to go do CrossFit. CrossFit's supposed to be a certain way. I'm going to power lift. Power lift's supposed to be a certain way, et cetera. Like, yeah, but those, I mean, I know you can call CrossFit a methodology, but at the end of the day, it's a sport to me. Cause I think that's how people that go to gyms, they watch it on TV and then they go, that's what I want to do. And I'm not saying all gyms do that. So if somebody hears this, that has an amazing CrossFit gym. I apologize. But like, I think the perception is like, you know, Matt Fraser does this. I want to do that. Just like powerlifting is its own sport. Fucking weightlifting is an Olympic sport. And we treat them like they're just these everyday, like, yeah, it's normal to go from the ground to overhead with a barbell with your arms this wide. Like, no, it's not. And it takes, you know, Maddie Rogers a decade to get as technically efficient as she is. And then we like bring you into the gym and you go do snatches for time. And I'm just like, is there a better way to do this? And like, I get the fun component of it too. Like I'm not knocking that, but just from like a watching people perspective, I'm like, I don't know the definition of health. Uh, Maybe I should figure that out for myself, but it just is at times one of those things that's like, what, what are we really trying to accomplish today other than make our clients happy that we put snatches in the programming? You talked about intent and living intently and moving intently. And what I've seen, again, this is kind of a working theory. The people who live most intently have had to suffer through not living intently or moving intently throughout their life. Has there been a time in your life where you've just had an absolute abysmal failure, but it's ultimately led to a great success because of that intent that you've put on the situation? So recapping the last maybe 14 or 15 months, I was in Salt Lake City at a business called Nonprofit, um, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, kind of a play on words. And for all intents and purposes, like I would consider Mark and Michael my best friends. And this is going to get a little weird at first maybe, but you know, I worked with them not business partners per se, but you know, they were gracious enough to like allow me into their building, into their ideas and their thoughts. And like, we developed an amazing relationship and rapport. And I ended up quitting maybe a year ago, this past April or May, something like that. And our relationship from that point forward kind of went downhill quite a bit um, to the point where I spent the better part of the last year, almost every day, ruminating on like what I did wrong, why it didn't work, reasons I upset them, reasons they upset me. If things could have gone differently, how could they have gone differently? How am I going to mend those relationships? Are they mendable? I mean, I probably wrote both of them a letter maybe every other week that I never sent, just kind of like putting ideas on paper, trying to like figure out almost like what I thought they wanted to hear, which I then realized was not the right way to do that. And then Michael and I rekindled our friendship in like one of the most horrible ways, which is his stepdaughter passed away at 11 years old, I believe. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you. And him and I kind of like rekindled our relationship from there. He was just out here this past weekend. He came out for a Nine Inch Nails concert. I didn't know he was going to be here. He surprised me. And it was like in a time when if there was one person I needed in my life, it was probably him was going through a breakup with a girlfriend. That's a whole nother can of worms that we don't have to get into. But it was just one of those, like, I miss my best friend, um, which sounds weird to say as a 38-year-old. Not at all. We, I think we, we can all relate to that, you know? 
Yeah. And it's just not something, and maybe it's just me that like, especially as a male, we articulate all that often out loud when we're sad or we miss somebody. Like I think when you're a kid, it feels more acceptable. And then for whatever reason, society, my interpretation of society kind of like says, no, don't do that, which I'm obviously comfortable doing now. And he just like showed up out of nowhere and we like fell into a flow of a workout and he was the one that went over like the cars and some other things with me. And it was just like, oh, there's like good that happens here. Like it's one of those, we're both better people when we're together, which doesn't mean we need to be together all the time. But there was just this moment for me of like recognition of like, not only is this is like what friendship is, but like a true human connection where like literally we make each other better without trying, like just existing in a room together. And like the last year of like figuring out and working through, like I started therapy and like kind of realizing my own bullshit around like the way I perceive relationships. You know, the reason I have these conditions or programming based on my childhood, growing up with a chronically ill brother, watching him pass away. And then similarly with my mom four years ago, Like I have these negative associations to relationships, which is to a degree, like if I love somebody and they love me, they're going to leave me because, you know, my brother died when I was young, you know, and arguably like Michael is in a sense to me that placeholder or something of a big brother that is what I never had as a big brother and something I always wanted, which was like an interesting place for me to work through psychologically. Because again, my association to my big brother was he left me right? Because he died. And to not realize or to understand like that that's not every relationship. And I don't have to be afraid of like putting my heart and soul into another person that I care about. Because at the end of the day, as long as that's reciprocated for as long as it needs to be, or the best way to say that, like not all friendships last forever, not all relationships last forever, but I don't need to cut them short just because of my insecurities or trauma around losing people. I think you can see it in leadership in the military to a degree, especially um, people that are in combat arms where, you know, maybe as a private specialist, team leader, sergeant, you lost some guys. And I think that makes people slightly jaded as they get up into like squad leader, platoon leader, whatever your rank might be or whatever, where you almost try to not get too attached because you know, you're going to lose people. Maybe not so much now because I don't even know what the military is doing at this point, but like that little kind of microcosm of life where you're like, don't get too attached to my guys. They're either going to leave over time and go to new units or some might die, I think can carry over into your personal life where, you know, like I was saying for me, you almost like don't get too close to anybody because you just constantly have this unconscious, I think, fear or thought or understanding that it could end at any minute which is 100% true. But also that doesn't mean like we need to live in the fear that that will happen. And I think a lot of like my relationships to people the last 35 years, um, you know, obviously when I was a kid, it was a little different, but you know, from my twenties to about 35, 36, I always had this like little bit of fear subconsciously that, you know, like I don't want to get too attached to this person because if they die, it's going to fucking destroy me instead of just like, having a loving and fulfilling relationship with the people that I love and care about. And if tragedy happens, so be it. That's a part of life. Um, But I don't want to regret anymore not having fulfilling relationships. And then in hindsight being like, oh, I wish I 
I once heard from someone, Father Time is undefeated. And as we wrap up the conversation, Keegan Dillon, how are you better today than yesterday? It's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about that a lot this week. That like saying like, I want to be better than yesterday. And my initial thought when I was thinking about that was what is wrong with me yesterday? And sometimes I think it's a lot. And sometimes I'm like, no, no, yesterday was like a good day. Like if I can be yesterday right now, I'm pretty happy with that. With the understanding that like, I'm trying to move forward with making my body healthier, working through psychological things, like being better now at exploring my soul, spirituality, like I'm not a religious person, but I think there's something in the universe greater than myself. And maybe because religion feels organized and I don't like organized or whatever, like God's not my thing. But to say God doesn't exist is not something I would say. But I think the idea of like building upon the day before, maybe not like being better than yesterday, but like understanding like, and I'm going to say the word improvement, which I guess makes better than yesterday, but like understanding again, like everything's a practice. And like, even though like tomorrow might suck compared to today for whatever reason, like I can still keep my habits and routines that I think are beneficial to me as a human, whether that's meditating, reading, you know, for me, mobility, figuring out how to move better, you know, going for longer walks, longer bike rides, things that help me process, um, things that are cathartic, things that feel like they're moving the needle so that when the needle gets put back for whatever reason, maybe it is a death or tragedy or just sickness, or sometimes we're just overwhelmed because life is life. Like what are those habits can I lean on to then at least get the needle back to whatever we can consider neutral and then keep moving forward. So I guess like developing habits that keep me relatively around maybe like equilibrium for me, knowing like if I keep doing these things, that needle keeps inching more and more towards, I guess, this idea of who I want to be. I cringe at like who I want to be because I'm I'm happy with who I am, but I don't like, I don't want to wake up in five years and be this Keegan. But I'm also not upset if I wake up tomorrow and I'm this Keegan. And like, so last night, my back hurt. I don't handle like that shit well. I get depressed. My depression generally leads to eating snack foods. That's kind of how I coped as a child, dealing with stuff with my brother. So it was like, uh, what did I eat last night? I think I had some Reese's Pieces and some York peppermint patties. So today I'm not going to do that because I woke up today and felt like shit and I'm tired of feeling like shit. So it was like, not like diet starts Monday, but just, it was another recognition of like, oh, this is something that happens perpetually when I'm injured. Instead of just focusing on like eating better, maybe I need to change my training so that I stop doing that. And that, I think to me right now, that means a lot of aerobic work and a lot of just mobility and body weight stuff to start getting healthy. So I guess in a sense, like those are the pieces I'm putting together to start you know, getting out of my dysfunction, both physically and mentally. That's awesome. Thank you for helping us kind of move the needle today as we all kind of seek that alignment. Keegan, where can people go to find more about you? So right now, just on Instagram at Keegan Dillon, uh, K-E-G-A-N-D-I-L-L-O-N. Hopefully I'll have a website out here soon. Uh, I've been working with a guy on that and just kind of figuring out exactly how I want to word and verbalize things. So maybe in the next month, that'll be out. And if you just want to tap more into Keegan's mind, 
he has just some absolute incredible articles that are out there. We'll make sure we link all of that, nonprofits, all of that in the show notes today. Keegan, thanks for sharing your ideas, your strategies, your tactics, and most importantly, thanks for having our six. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Hey Sixers, did you know that Got Your Six podcast is now streaming every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern on Reefs Across America Radio, available on the iHeartRadio app, the Audacity app, and the TuneIn app. Just search the word Reef. Love to hear what you think. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass it along. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and give us as many stars as you think we warrant because we love what we do here at the Gotcha Six Podcast. We're always adapting and evolving this podcast because of you, the Sixers. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. You'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers. But the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.